Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from then to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. This is Dr. Jess Harmine from the Institute for Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania with another great podcast for you tonight. Uh, tonight's guest is a true expert, and I'm going to introduce her in just a few minutes. Uh, if you are on the chat, uh, you can feel free to ask questions, and I will pass it off to the uh, speaker. If you wish to call in to ask a question, the number is 646 Five nine five two two seven seven. There is no PDF for tonight, so don't go looking for one. And um, I just want to make a couple of announcements. Um, you know that we've been working on our seminar, which is the Core Knowledge uh, Seminar in uh, Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine, which is on for January 17 and 18, and we are excited as all get out. Uh, the physical space is almost filled, <clears throat> so we decided to do video streaming. So those people who still want to attend the seminar can uh, do it from the comfort of their own computer. And um, someone asked me this week why they should attend our seminar instead of someone else's seminar. And I said, that's a really good question. Okay, So I actually wrote a uh, post about it, but let me share with you the uh, top eight reasons. Number one, you'll be learning from several people which is better than learning from a single individual because our, t- our course is taught by experts in the field who are both researchers and field practitioners actively treating people. Uh, in our seminar, you're getting 14 hours of Category 1 CME credits, CEU credits for MDs, DOs, RNs, and many others. And the FDN, uh, Inc., has granted 14 hours of continuing education credits for the functional diagnostic nutrition people. Uh, mostly, our seminar is really cost-effective. Uh, I looked around and the various seminars that teach close to what we're teaching, okay, usually not as well, of course, will cost between $8,000 and $15,000, okay, and it's spread over like a year or so. Our, our course is designed to give you a level of functionality that you'll use Monday morning at a reasonable course. Cor- cost. <laughs> Maybe I could speak English, right? Because the response has been so incredible, we decided to video stream, which means that you can literally watch the seminar as if you were there, ask questions, and interact with the speakers. So you can attend the seminar without having to take a flight, meals, that kind of stuff. It really is cost-effective. 
Um, we've been talking about methylation and bioindividualized medicine, but our seminar combines the following knowledge. And you're going to be functional at the end of that weekend in methylation, nutrigenomics, neuroendoimmunology, the recognition and treatment of mitochondrial dysfunction, the recognition and treatment of cell wall integrity. You'll know how to uh, balance neurotransmitter, do hormonal balancing, and much more. Uh, different from everybody else, you're not going to be set adrift after the seminar. There's going to be a mechanism for you to speak with the speakers, okay, so you can help integrate your new knowledge. This course will be the base course for the certification plan in methylation and bioindividualized medicine. And frankly, people, we are the best at what we do. And if you want to be the best, you have to learn from the best. So you can't get better than this. There's lots of spaces open for video streaming, and I encourage you to go to www.mabim.org, methylation and bioindividualized medicine.org, and look at um, what's available to you. <clears throat> I would like to introduce our speaker for tonight, which is Amy Joy Smith. She is a nurse practitioner, uh, the Integrative Medicine Director of the PANDAS PANS program at Hill Park Medical Center. And I'm looking at her, bi her bio, and I'm going to read through it, but um, <laughs> I think if I do her entire bio, the, uh, bio, the, uh, the show will be over. Um, Amy Joy Smith is a nurse practitioner specializing in functional medicine with a heads up in the Integrative PANDAS and PANDAS treatment program. Uh, she's the mother of an amazing child who has healed from PANDAS. Yo! and is a dedicated PANDAS awareness advocate. I love interviewing advocates. I absolutely adore it. Uh, Amy's practiced functional and nutritional medicine since the early 1980s and has studied with a number of pioneers in the field. Her treatments are progressive and, the blend, and a blend of the best medical science with leading-edge natural therapies using food as medicine. I'm going to steal that. Um, her first PANDAS... <laughs> I am. I am. I love the way you said that. Her first PANDAS patient was her own son in 2009. Now she sees hundreds of children with PANDAS from all over the world. She brings the same creative approach to treating these children as she used with her own child and believes that it's the only way to get kids better. Fearless, out-of-the-box thinking. I'm stealing that, too. And belief that children can recover from PANDAS. I've got to tell you something, Amy. I love the way you said that because it starts with the belief that you can heal from a chronic illness. That I mean... How many people are being told, you know, so sorry, it stinks to be you? Uh, Amy's got a strong background and interest in health and development of children and teens. She's worked in the pediatric acute care at Boston General Hospital, Boston Children's Hospital, my apologies, University of Colorado Health Sciences Center, and UCSF. She's a fellow in the World Health Organization's Adolescent Health Training Program in the University of Minnesota Medical School, and in addition to being a nurse practitioner, has a master's degree in adolescent health and youth development within the public health nursing spectrum. She loves educating families and has experience in community education and program development for families as well as vulnerable youth populations. You have um, to stop reading. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied. I'm going to tell you something. People, no, 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 no. My, 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 no, my very much people that I love out there, you know, I'm always trying to bring you people that, you know, will give you good and great information. And let me tell you something. Amy Joy Smith is the real thing. Okay, so, yes, you are. Yes, you are. I mean, you know, this is not something you're selling. This is something, this is a, this is a avocation. This is something where you treated your own child. So it is my I think life. We should, it is my yeah. life, for sure. But, you know, the first question everybody asked me when I, when I 
when I promoted this was, what's pandas? <laughs> that is I know, I'm sorry, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> I know sure. pandas are these big, nice-looking bears, but that's not what we're talking about. No, it isn't, and most people really have no idea what pandas is uh, unless either your child has it. Um, you know, the problem is that um, so many healthcare providers also don't know what it is. So, um, you know, that is really where the problem lies. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so PANDAS is an abbreviation. Um, it stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Strep Infection. And, um, you know, it essentially describes a group of children who seemingly overnight, which is really the key feature to PANDAS, it's a very acute, abrupt onset of obsessive compulsive disorder um, and or uh, a tick disorder involuntary movements uh, usually both are present uh, there are uh, additional neuropsychiatric symptoms that uh, come along with it uh, it is very big and florid and sudden and um, you know inevitably the story is uh, something like um, you know uh, my child woke up this morning and was a completely different person. And uh, most of the time when parents call me or come in to evaluate their child, they always have a date and a timeline, you know, associated uh, with the onset of their illness, which is what makes it really different than garden variety type of OCD, which certainly can be very intense and difficult, you know, for families and, you know, other tick kinds of disorders. This is really a, a very abrupt change in the life and the style and the behavior of a child. If you would be so kind, uh, explain to the audience what a tick disorder is, because I'm, I'm thinking when they say, when you say the word tick, they're thinking long. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so sorry. Um, yeah, oh, don't be sorry. I'm just going to, I just know my audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, uh, by ticks, I mean motor ticks. I mean uh, an involuntary movement that um, most people associate it with something like Tourette's disorder. Mm -hmm. And um, and it can be very simple tics or, you know, like eye blinking, or it can be a more complex type of a motor tic where multiple, like, arms move or, you know, different body parts. The uh, As I've read and, and experienced in practice, um, there are several symptoms of PANDAS, but they aren't always... Um, as dramatic or acute. What are the general symptoms of PANDAS, and is it always this sudden onset, or can it be a gradual onset? Uh, if there was an infection, does it go away when the infection goes away? Uh, yeah. Um, of course, the main thing of PANDAS is that it's related to an infection, and um, I, I almost forgot to say that. Um, and Yeah, well, first of all, let's uh, talk about the symptoms, because I think that was the first part of your question. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, there is really an abrupt onset associated with it. But you know, sometimes um, parents are unaware of it to some degree, because sometimes it's all in hindsight. I mean, you know, you're going through life, and your child, uh, you know, you just kind of get up, they go to school, you live your life, and then Sometimes these symptoms kind of come on, and but it's only in retrospect 
once you start looking at the big picture that you can see that. Like, my child is a really great example because he uh, was 10 years old when he, uh, he had uh, uh, the huge onset of, um, of ticks and some OCD and anxiety. But looking back, I could see that he had a little wave of it around seven. And then it seemed to go away. And then, you know, when he was eight, he had some sensory issues. And we thought it, we were told it was a sensory integration thing. And, you know, we kind of worked with it specifically. And then that kind of went away. And then uh, when he was, you know, nine, he had this handwriting thing and some other issues. And it seemed to come and go. Um, and then at 10 is when he had the big, what I call the big break, you know. But... Um, So part of PANDAS is this episodic course of symptoms. And, you know, there's also a scale of severity. So for some children, it's a little kind of blip and it can be annoying. And then for some children, it's completely life disruptive. Um, And the symptoms that tend to go along with uh, OCD and or uh, tics um, are usually things like... um, separation anxiety. That is a very uh, prominent kind of a thing. Uh, Kids that all of a sudden have to sleep in their child's room. They won't get out of the car and go to school. They will cling to the parent where in their typical developmental stage, they were way beyond that already. And so that uh, issue of behavioral regression, uh, loss of developmental milestones. That's something, um, you know, that you really see a lot. Kids that uh, are acting all of a sudden a lot younger, they talk in baby talk, for example, or uh, they get really fidgety or they just act as if they were a few years younger. Um, sometimes you'll see kind of ADHD type of onset of uh behavior, hyperactivity, inattention, they might be fidgety, um, or a kid that's been doing great in school, all of a sudden they can't do math anymore, um, or they're having trouble reading or focusing, um, that whole kind of loss of executive function, decision-making, they can't organize their work all of a sudden. Um, you'll see things like mood changes, um, uh, emotionality, irritability, frustration, anger. Sometimes you even see frank rages, um, sleeping problems, nightmares. Um, again, ki- kids afraid to uh, go to sleep. They need the light on. They have a bunch of fears. Um, and sometimes you'll see uh, things like nighttime bedwetting for a child who was well beyond that in terms of their development and urinary frequency is something that's also very common and um, uh, nobody even really knows the full on uh, etiology of why you have that urinary frequency but it may be you know inflammatory or cytokine you know the immune chemicals Mm -hmm. that are driving that but it's a common thing and uh, we definitely had that for example with my son early on and we went you know and had him checked for urinary tract infections multiple times and nothing ever showed up there Um, sometimes you see uh, changes in coordination uh, and you will see changes in handwriting and possibly even pain or joint pain and the source of all these symptoms is inflammation and that mm-hmm. is really the hallmark of what PANDAS is about. 
so they have this infection, and um, the infection triggers this misdirected kind of immune response, and it ends up through a process of molecular mimicry is the name, uh, having these uh, antibodies cross the blood-brain barrier and create inflammation in a part of the brain called the basal ganglia. And that inflammation is what drives these um, symptoms. They're all about inflammation, which is very different than typical a mood disorder, you know, or ADHD. Those could be chemically driven or a lot of, you know, probably a number of different pathways, but they're not simply due to inflammation. We've been uh, hawking inflammation as a reason for many of the chronic illnesses that um, we've been teaching about over the past year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, and you're um, you're giving voice to that. Um, are all children at risk for pandas? Well, um, we don't exactly know who is at risk and who isn't, but I can tell you a few things. Um, one is um, sometimes... You see a family history of strep problems, families with rheumatic fever in their family, scarlet fever, uh, rheumatic illness, um, you know, meaning really strep-based illness, right? That's what rheumatic Mm -hmm. fever is or or scarlet fever. Um, It's a spread of strep uh, in the blood. And uh, sometimes you'll see also in their families um, parents or grandparents that have had uh, rheumatic heart disease or rheumatic ar- uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, those kinds of things. Um, sometimes you will also see in a family um, autoimmune illness. And, you know, that could be also something that lays the foundation for this already misdirected immune response because ultimately that's what PANDAS is. It's, uh, it is autoimmune where the the these antibodies, these strep antibodies that are similar to uh, human antibodies just because strep is so smart. You know, they cross the blood-brain barrier and they, um, the body ends up mistaking uh, human tissue for the strep. And so it is this autoimmune assault on the brain that is causing the inflammation to happen. So, um, you know, prior autoimmune illness or illness in the family, autoimmune illness as a family history could definitely, you know, potentially be a precedent, you know, or a risk factor. Um, Genetically, there are some studies being done, you know, um, in terms of what could make somebody be at risk. Um, And... um, you know, there are some areas where there are clusters of children that seem to have pandas. Um, and I think about uh, in those areas where there are blocks of children or several in a classroom or in a town or on a street, um, that there may be a particularly virulent strain or rheumatic strain, like the type of strep that comes around um, that's more likely to cause rheumatic fever or pandas than another strain. Um, maybe if there's pandas in someone's family, it may 
make it more likely that a second child may have pandas. You know, I definitely see uh, more than one pandas uh, child in a family, but that's not always the case either, you know. It sounds like that there's a equal amount of consideration to um, certain types of genetic polymorphisms as precursors or as risk factors and environmental factors because uh, groups can be toxins also if you have little um, you know groups of people with uh, certain illnesses um, but uh, your your statement that um, families with a history of autoimmune disease you know would be more um, prone to this and that would, uh, would imply a genetic pre um, Preconstruct, and um, I know that it we're could. looking at diff, and it's you know it's a possibility like anything else. Yeah. You know, genetic lo- loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. You know, and it depends. You can have. <clears throat> that's why I think certain toxins or or stimuli stimuli uh, express differently in different people. Okay, uh, depending on the genetic pathways. Uh, yeah, I I, I definitely um, think that's true. Um, you know, my son is another good example of um, this kind of pre-existing, you know, situation where, um, it's, you know, it is hard to generalize, but it is something that I've seen in other kids as well. Um, but he ended up having very, very severe um, celiac, um, mm-hmm. auto, which is an autoimmune illness from gluten. But he had not only the celiac manifestation, he also had... Um, the nervous system manifestation of that, where he, uh, when we did the Cyrex testing on him, he mm-hmm. had not only that transglutaminase 2, um, at, which was very, very strong, and, you know, he did have some GI symptoms there, but he also had very, very high transglutaminase 6, which is, you know, a an independent um, autoimmune illness that gluten can induce, um, mm-hmm. you know, that... Uh, is exhibited in the brain and the nerves. Uh, it can cause ataxia and um, uh, gait and uh, coordination issues. And he had that. He had uh, uh, trunk ataxia, and we were, he was in physical therapy for that, you know, uh, for at least a year. Um, you know, uh, when he was younger, we had no idea, certainly, that it was gluten induced, but it went away really fast. Um, you know, once we took him off gluten, it was really, really shocking. In fact, all of his panda symptoms went down significantly when we took him off gluten, and we found out about the gluten problem um, maybe a month uh, or so at the most before we found out that he actually had pandas, um, and his symptoms went down so radically and so quickly the pain, the tics, the coordination problems, the gut disruption, the mood, uh, the anxiety that we thought we had found the problem because he'd been sick for so long. You know, at that point we were doing, you know, mega testing and um, it was just shocking. And that is something that I see. You know, I definitely see, not for everybody, but for kids with pandas that, you know, also have this... um, uh, positive finding, you know, um, for gluten autoimmune illness, um, you know, they get radically better. And I see surprisingly large percent, you know, of pandas kids uh, have 
uh, gluten autoimmune pathways lit up on their testing, I'd say, you know, a good 60% at least of the kids that I see. Um, well, you, you see, you see a, a good population, so that that's something that should be, you know, be paid attention to. I think so. And I also think that for Lance, you know, my son, um, mm-hmm. you know, I really think that the presence of that autoimmune illness opened the door to, you know, the strep 2, the weak blood-brain barrier, which, you know, is mm-hmm. part of what is happening here with uh, PANDAS, you know, just the fact that these antibodies make their way across the blood-brain barrier. They're not even supposed to be in there, but they end up in there. So, you know, that's another component. You've got the leaky blood-brain barrier. So, um, you know, I think in his case and in other, you know, children who have this manifestation, that that's part of what sets the stage and allows that to occur. You know, bad gut, no question. leaky blood-brain barrier, autoimmune, inflammation, then you, on top of it, end up with this, you know, particularly radical, nasty, virulent strain of strep. And, you know, I, I think for him, you know, that that was a piece of what brought that together. And, you know, I think it's always a really good question to ask, you know, not only does this child have pandas, which is certainly the number one question, but, you know, can we piece together, you know, why? Um, and you can sometimes, and sometimes you can't. And, um, you know, you can just go after, um, you know, treatment as best you can. It's interesting. Um, I I was going to ask how PANDAS is diagnosed, but I'm going to go in a little bit of a circle. Um, We're talking about children who are manifesting neuropsychiatric symptoms. Mm -hmm. And um, often um, mothers will bring their children to doctors, and they they run into you're wrong, you're crazy, you're out to lunch, uh, you have Munchausen's by proxy. Um, when well, let's face it, you know you've seen it and I've seen it too, okay. But at what point should a parent? What points should the parent look for to raise their index of suspicion that what their child has is pandas? Uh, that is such a great question, um, and most of the time parents do end up figuring it out on their own, you know, in the middle of the night or on the Internet when they've taken their child to a number of providers and um, they're told a variety of um, other kinds of diagnoses and the treatments don't work and it just keeps going on and on in a circle and they finally get on the Internet and they go, you know, they plug in, you know, sudden change in my child, overnight OCD, you know, um, sudden anxiety, um, those kinds of things, because that's really the hallmark. And um, and pandas will just come right up now. It's such a great thing, uh, <laughs> Dr. Google. <laughs> what would we do without Dr. Google? Uh, it's, it's, it's a... It's a, it's a um it's a wonderful thing and a horrible thing. <laughs> it really is. Yes, it, it, it is it both works of those both ways. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. But, uh, you know, when the treatment is not working uh, at a certain point, you know, parents really need to uh, take matters into their own hands because uh, many pediatricians um, have not heard of PANDAS. And so their initial take on a child with a radically altered persona showing up, depending on the age, you know, um, they will go uh, almost 
inevitably first to psych. This is a psychiatric problem, um, which is certainly what you know happened to us. We were told at mm-hmm. 10 years old when I brought my son into the emergency room that he had late, late onset autism at 10 years old. And mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. he wasn't even like this two weeks ago. And they thought I was either out of my mind, in denial, frankly lying, mm-hmm. or that, you know, I had psychiatric problems of my own, because there is no such thing as late, you know, 10 years old, late onset autism. So um, most of the time, they will veer immediately to psych. And if you have a good provider, you know, hopefully they will think, and especially if it's a young child, and, you know, mostly there is a young onset. The average age is four to seven. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a lot more common than people think because, you know, NIH believes that as many as one in 200 children have pandas. That's children in, you know, every school, every preschool, every Boy Scout troop, every Girl Scout troop, you know, every gymnastics studio, um, one in 200 children. That is a lot. That is a and lot of kids. It's a lot of children. And, um, and so um, you would hope that uh, a provider of a young child who comes in with, you know, this sudden onset of terror or separation anxiety or, you know, age regression or freaking out or OCD, whatever it might be, that at least they'll do a talk screen at mm. the minimum, you know, or at least they're going to check for some kind of a, um, inborn error of metabolism that might just be manifesting for some reason, right? Like they'll look at a, a some medical thing, even if they don't have infection triggered on their mind, um, which uh, you know hopefully more and more providers are going to have. But um, you know at least they'll look for some physical cause. But very very often they don't they don't even do that. They send them right to psych. Um, and then once somebody is in you know uh, the psych direction. Um, it can take them a while to, you know, track back around to where hey, wait a minute, you know, there's it's a, a horrible cause. thing. Well, they can get it's waylaid for thing. some time, but sometimes, right. you know, a psychiatrist could uh, might have heard, you know, of pandas. In fact, there were just a whole bunch of uh, great articles that just came out in the Journal of Child and Adolescent Psychopharmacology, and um, you know, I would hope that that is, you know, at least a journal that is read frequently by psychiatrists, perhaps. Um, You know, uh, these articles, there were a number of them on the onset, uh, the workup and the treatment and the different manifestations of pandas. So, you know, hopefully they'll either have that in their brain or they'll be open to it. But if not, they could end up on the psych med kind of trail and then it could take them a while you know, before the meds aren't working enough for the parents to figure it out or the psychiatrist to ultimately say, we need to reboot here, this isn't working. So what I'm hearing is if your child has a sudden onset of OCD tics or some neuropsychiatric disorder, uh, with or without obvious um, signs of infection, Yes. Okay, one of the things that should be thought of, what, what, what in medicine we call a differential diagnosis, one of the things should be PANDAS. And Absolutely. if you go to your doctor and 
your doctor, pediatrician, family doctor, automatically goes to the psych end, okay, that would be something that would be a big red flag for you to say, hey, 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 wait, wait, how about we check out, you know, what else could be wrong because he wasn't like this a little while ago. Always realizing that the child must be safe. If the child is suicidal, homicidal, or something like that, you know, psychiatric medications may be necessary to, you know, get them to a point where you can treat them. But um, I like to tell my audience, if I could just take this, you know, five-second break, that remember your doctor, whoever it is, wherever it is, wherever you live, your doctor is not the only game in town, okay? If you're not getting satisfaction, go to a different doctor, okay? It's, it is the truth. Go to a different doctor. Okay, I'm not trying to drag anybody away from appropriate care, but what we're trying to do is promulgate appropriate care. We're trying to let you know what appropriate care is like. And you have to be thinking about these things, and you have to stand up and advocate for your own child. Uh, how is PANDAS diagnosed? I, I see something about I a want to circle test. back to something what you said. Okay? Oh, of course. One is um, it's very rare that um, a PANDAS child is really suicidal or homicidal. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's um, even though uh, they're in their OCD, uh, I think a lot of um, PANDAS children may have some you know, thoughts or or afraid that they're going to hurt themselves or they might hurt another person. But that's not typically something that they're going to do. So I I just really wanted to, uh, you know, just speak to that. And just in terms of the care, just so that we can kind of, you know, wrap that up, um, you can always go to pandasnetwork.org and you can download wonderful articles, on uh, PANDAS information, uh, toolkits, um, diagnosis, treatment, um, uh, wonderful academic papers that you can bring to your provider that could really help them to understand more about PANDAS and if they simply won't be open to it, you know, uh, there's also uh, a list of PANDAS providers on the PANDAS network. Uh, .org website that uh, can help you find someone in your area. Um, Great, sometimes. wonderful. So I just wanted you know to say that. Um, no, no, no. I appreciate. I appreciate that. I, oh yeah, because it's really going to come down to what people can do tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, yeah. there's there's many people listening right now who are sitting there saying, hmm. That sounds like my kid. <laughs> okay, and that's what we're that's what we're here for to give them information. Absolutely. They can also, you know, email me or contact me at my office. You know, I'm always happy to chat for a while to any parent that's trying to figure out, is there even a chance my child has PANDAS? And I will always just sit down and talk to someone on the phone, um, you know, for at least 15 minutes and just say, you know, yeah, kind of sounds possible. You know, it makes sense to, you know, find someone to test your child. Or sometimes I can just say, you know what, it's just, you know, it just doesn't sound like it. You know, I can just kind of be a, at least a door, and also Pandas Network can be helpful in that way. So, Wonderful. Yeah. So, in terms of um, diagnosing Pandas, um, it's really uh, it's it, it's really a challenge because um, first of all, there is no one total one hundred percent test for Pandas, and that said. There are definitely tests that we do for PANDAS. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about that first. Um, you know, we always test for strep um, in both the throat culture and in the blood. And I always do a nasal culture as well uh, because you never know. Uh, you know, there could be infections uh, up in the sinuses. Uh, and, you know, I don't see strep up there very often, but I've seen lots of staph infections. I see mold up mm-hmm. there, uh, a lot of uh, issues. And, you know, a common history uh, for pandas children is a, a chronic respiratory, um, you know, infection-laden history, respiratory infections, ear infections, sinus infections. That is, you know, one commonality, certainly not all the all children, but it is uh, uh, something that I frequently see. So, um, you know, we test for strep. We test for another infection called mycoplasma pneumonia. Um, Sue Sweeto, who is, uh, you know, the primary researcher for PANDAS and the person who first kind of discerned PANDAS as an illness, um, you know, definitely agrees that, uh, believes that uh, strep and mycoplasma can cause that same type of infection-triggered neuropsychiatric syndrome. Um, and um, so we test for that. Um, some viruses may cause that. We always test for Epstein-Barr. Um, I tend to test for, you know, a number of other viruses as well, um, just looking for immune stress and other immune triggers. And um, um, we look at uh, immuno globulins um, to look at the strengths, you know, of the immune system. Sometimes uh, with children with PANDAS, especially with a history of chronic infections, sometimes they have a frank uh, immune deficiency, you know, which leaves them kind of like a sitting duck. You know, it makes it harder to get rid of all this stuff. Um, And we do uh, general, you know, like a CBC and chemistry looking for general infections. Uh, I mean, general chemistry and uh, liver and their white blood cells, the strength of their uh, immune system, and so on. And then there is a test uh, that uh, is uh, often referred to as the Cunningham panel. Uh, it is run by uh, Dr. Madeline Cunningham at the University of Oklahoma, who um, created uh, this panel of tests that is a combination of um, five tests. Four of them are autoimmune antibodies that can, in and of themselves, cause an autoimmune encephalitis, which is really what PANDAS is, right? It's autoimmune Mm -hmm. inflammation of the brain. And she looks at four distinct autoimmune pathways that have been associated with uh, PANDAS, uh, Seidenham's chorea, uh, movement disorders, like that. And then there is also uh, in there another test, uh, which is an enzyme protein um, called CAM kinase 2. And CAM kinase is um, uh, a molecule, it's a signaling molecule. And I, the way that I think about it and I describe it to parents um, is it's a good marker for. Um, the way that I think about it, is like the health of the blood-brain barrier. So the higher up in number the CAM kinase is, the greater the likelihood that that there's weakness in the blood-brain barrier, there is this misdirected immune 
triggering and signaling. And that child has PANDAS and PANS. And um, so that's been a great test. Um, the thing about that test um, is that, first of all, not all insurance covers it, and it can be a pricey test. Um, so it mm-hmm. kind of depends, you know, on whether or not parents are able to do it. It's uh, a little over $900, I believe. And, um, you know, a lot of people that have an HMO insurance or Kaiser or whatever, it's just really unavailable, you know, uh, to them in terms of finances. So, you know, we still try to push parents to get it. And then, um, you know, sometimes um, if a child is first being worked up for PANDAS, you know, later on in their disease course, like, you know, sometimes I will especially now that PANDAS information is more available um, online, I might see somebody within weeks or months of a PANDAS, you know, onset, of their symptom onset. But, um, you know, notoriously, children go on and on for months and even years before being diagnosed. Um, In the last parent survey that we did at the parent symposium that we had here in um, April this year, Uh, 37% of the parents surveyed um, uh, said that their child was sick for over three years before they were diagnosed with PANDAS. Wow. Wow. And that's right. And my son was definitely one of them, and I know, uh, you know, quite a number of those children. Um, And about 31% were diagnosed in under six months. And that was actually an upgrade from our event two years prior when we did that same survey and something like, um, I think it was 18 or 20% had been diagnosed or something in the early 20s in less than um, six months. So, um, you know, over time, certainly the trend is in that direction, but I think it's a crime that we're even talking six months. It should be six days, right? Well, I agree. Or six hours, for heaven's sake. Hopefully shows like this will shorten that because as the index of suspicion of the parent goes up, you know, the busy physician who, you know, wants to get people in and out of their office or just isn't, you know, totally on the ball will be you know, stimulated by the parent to, and I'm not putting everything on the parent, but, you know, let's face it, you know, we, um, sometimes we have to be the advocate for our children and, um, we have to have, before you know, before you can advocate, you have to know something exists. Right. So we now have a good idea of how to test for pandas. Um, but, um, how is it treated? What are the best treatments out there that will, is, is pandas resolvable? I really think so, yes. I definitely see children get better from PANDAS. My child is better. I know plenty of children that are better. I even know kids that haven't didn't start treatment until their late teens and even 20s that are better. Uh, definitely the earlier a child uh, is able to get treatment, the better that is for their brain, right? But, mm-hmm. um, yes, kids get better uh, with PANDAS. And, um, you know, primarily um, the treatments are going after the infection. So um, there is typically uh, going to be anti uh, antibiotics involved. And that can be hard, you know, for a lot of parents to swallow because 
you know, we all try to keep our children from antibiotics. I hadn't put my child mm-hmm. on antibiotics till he was almost 14 when we finally realized we had to, you know, put him on antibiotics for pain. Sometimes you've got to do what so you've got to do. You know, it's, it's doing that. You know, people say, you know, um, you know, am I Western medicine? Am I this? Am I that? I'm like, you know, I belong to the church of whatever works. Um, right. And You're an integrative practitioner. Different. Yeah. That means so, the best of both worlds. I like to think of it that way. So, uh, you know, antibiotics, at least for a period of time, um, you know, for children that have had rheumatic fever, you know, the protocol, the standard of care out there is, you know, um, prophylactic antibiotics until, you know, they're 21 or something like that. And we don't really know that part yet because we haven't, I haven't been treating pandas that long yet. Right, um, but something like that, you know, may be uh, necessary um, just to prevent a, another strep infection until the brain heals. Right, and then once brain heals, then that misdirected immune response should not penetrate it anymore. Okay, so and that's, that's kind of that's what we're the going salient for. point. Is yeah, it's eradicating taking something the until the brain heals, right? Right. It's eradicating the infection, you know, rebooting the immune system, you know, helping the brain heal. And, you know, um, so uh, other, you know, standard therapies are also always include an anti-inflammatory because that's what we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're dealing with inflammation that is causing these symptoms. And it's an amazing thing, but, you know, um, children with... Uh, OCD and anxiety and ticks from pandas, you know, their symptoms will improve just with something as simple as ibuprofen or anti-inflammatory herbs, which is distinct from, you know, typical or garden variety OCD, anxiety, depression, or ticks. You're not going to see, you know, someone's emotional state uh, get better because of taking anti-inflammatories. That's a distinct feature of pandas, mm-hmm. right? You're not mm-hmm. going to see, You're not gonna see somebody's anxiety, tics, and OCD get better because they're on amoxicillin or... Uh, it, it, just, it doesn't happen. Right, Unless right. it's infection, absolutely true. Infection-triggered. Then you're mm-hmm. going to see this stuff happen. It's out of the box. It's not typical. Right? Wonderful. Wonderful. And then for for children who, um, you know, have really significant um, symptoms, we also look at doing uh, uh, an intravenous treatment called uh, IVIG, intravenous uh, immunoglobulins, which is really just getting a hefty dose of, um, of antibodies. You know, uh, it takes a couple of days. It's, uh, you know, through an intravenous treatment. And, um, you know, that is a a really good treatment for autoimmune illness. Uh, And it helps reset the immune system. Um, It helps to flush out all those, you know, misdirected uh, antibodies and kind of gives the body a whole bunch of new raw materials to work with. Also, I forgot to say, sometimes we'll do a very short short burst of steroids just to really knock the inflammation down, um, you know, just for five days. And, um, and some providers will do a steroid taper 
you know, where it goes on a little bit longer for a few weeks, going, you know, with lower and lower dosages. Um, and, um, you know, just to substantially uh, knock the symptoms down. And uh, that can be so dramatic, just so dramatic. I, I had this one child wake up on just after one dose, of, you know, prednisone, which nobody likes to do this, but sometimes it's the next logical step, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this little boy wake up the next day and just say to his mother to say, oh, is this what normal people feel like? Oh, you know, must have made you cry. Little boy with must have made you cry. OCD. Well, it sure made his mother cry. Right? I bet. If so, I may, uh-huh. are there any other uh, intravenous-wise or... or because I know the question is going to come up: Are there alternative medicine? Are there alternatives to the medications that have the same efficacy? Well, um, I have. First of all, every child is different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know, I will always because I'm an integrative provider. Okay, I will always put somebody on a multifaceted program. Okay, I will always look at things like being sure, you know, I will do a functional GI test, okay, and I will, you know, see if there's infections there and work on building your immune system through there. Um, I very often will put somebody on some, you know, herbal therapies. Uh, We always have to use lots of probiotics, definitely use lots of herbal anti-inflammatories. But... I don't always see the same same results to somebody with true pandas that doesn't go on the antibiotics. And I I can't even say that's 100% of the time. For example, I had this one child who, you know, was clearly, clearly, clearly pandas, but she had so much detox pathway disruption. And that's like a whole other, you know, piece of it. And so, and her parents were insistent at not putting that child on antibiotics. Um, and, you know, it took a very long time. And so did it self-resolve or, you know, did the herbal therapies and the other things that they did. But, you know, I know she's doing well now. Um, but that's not true for other kids because otherwise so many people would have gotten better already because mm-hmm. even kids that weren't diagnosed as, quote-unquote, pandas or um, you know, their parents didn't want to put them on antibiotics. They've been doing stuff already. You know, they've been doing herbs. They've been doing all these other therapies, but not getting better. And I definitely see a blend seem to work better. I think of it as fighting fire with fire. But that mm-hmm. said, I won't swear in a stack of Bibles, you know, that there's not another way. Um, I can't do that. But for the kids that I have worked with and we've tried to not do antibiotics like I tried for months with my child because he was my first pandas case and I I was terrified to put him on antibiotics um, you know we're, he got we're so not, much better we're looking for as as you know the information that comes out of our, our our podcast we're looking for truth that's why we ask you know and if the truth is that it's antibiotics better. is the best way to go they you know, remember, better. you can always you always can compensate for the antibiotics. You can give them probiotics. You can right. you know compensate for what the antibiotic is doing, especially if you get ahead of it. Okay, if you exactly. do it concurrently, you know you don't That's have to wait important. for the leaky gut to happen. You can do it and and simultaneously. 
Absolutely. But if, if, so if pandas is the if antibiotics is the way to go, then you know people should know not to fight that and maybe consider you know working with it. This is how I think about it. Um, you know, because the brain you can't see it, it's hard to relate to it. If a parent was, if if some child had rheumatic fever but had a heart manifestation, right, like in the old days, rheumatic heart disease, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that parent, I don't think they would blink at putting their child. I, I mean, not it's not that they wouldn't blink, but they would understand. Yes, this is rheumatic heart disease, and you know, we've heard of that, we've seen that, and so yes, I will put it my child on prophylactic antibiotics because I understand it, but because PANDAS is so controversial and there's so much misunderstanding and you can't see the brain, there's not enough of the history, you know, of this illness, people don't want to. And then there's this whole misnomer, you know, about neuropsychiatric illness. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't look like this. And, um, um, you know what I mean? Excuse me, that growl. Or can of worms. Yeah, so um, it just makes it very difficult. And so... Um, you know, I end up talking to parents so often. I say, look, I'm the advocate for your child's brain. And if you would have told me five years ago or six years ago that I'd be pouring antibiotics into the mouths of children, I would have said, you got the wrong person. Mm-hmm. I did not hardly use antibiotics in my practice. And this is fighting fire with fire. And if you want to save your child's brain... You need to do what you need to do. We have to pull up our big girl boots and, you know, just, like, rally and be brave, and that's what we have to do, you know. And then while you're doing it, you can look for all kinds of other amazingly supportive things and some herbs to build the immune system and support the gut and, you know, all those other things. You can can make it so that that if this works, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then, I don't, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad you're telling the truth. I mean, it's, uh, that <clears throat> that raises my respect for you immensely. Okay, oh, because you, you could you could speak to the crowd that we're listening listening right now, who are an integrative and basically anti-medication, if you will, crowd, and they need to hear this. Okay, and they need to hear the truth Absolutely. from somebody who's an expert. Absolutely, um, you know. Oh, okay. No, no, I was I was going to announce to everybody. It's getting on close to 9 o'clock, and I'd like to mm-hmm. announce that uh, the um, call-in number is 646-595-2277. If you'd like to ask Amy E. Joy Smith a question, this this would be the time. We still have several questions to go over, but I'd like to hear anybody who has questions about PANDAS uh, call in and ask a real expert. So uh, 646-595-2277. I know. We um, probably need hours. We could do like a whole day. We should yeah, do that we could. Time. We could. <laughs> uh, you, um, there, there's a question about, you know, with the, with the psychiatric symptoms and, and doing a lot of neuropsych stuff myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a tendency, you know, my, my, my big expertise is in neurotransmitter balancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a place for uh, SSRIs or antipsychotic medicines or ADHD meds in the treatment of uh, PANDAS? Um, there, there may be for some kids if it's done properly, and I also believe that there may be, you know, the nutraceutical route. Um, you know, especially doing the testing that you know you likely do. But if someone is going to go the SSRI route, um, because sometimes that you know can be helpful for like severe OCD and so on, 
the main thing is to start phenomenally low and go very, very slow. I mean, they may need a tenth of the dose because, again, this is not the same chemical pathway as you see. You know, with regular OCD, this is inflammatory-driven. So, right, you know, right, it could right. help them get out of a bind. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Travacor, Travagen, you know, or Norlox, right? Which is probably more like what you, you're talking about, perhaps? You know, that well, type? Well, Norlox is nothing but Boswellia, okay? And um, and that's that's a, a general herbal um, well, anti-inflammatory. Well, I have a little HTP in there. It's Boswellia with HTP. Very little. A little bit. You know, it's but it not, might be um, enough. It might, it might be enough. Be enough. Uh, generally speaking, uh, if I were to treat a pandas kid, one of the things, part of the workup I would have done already is get a neurotransmitter um, test. And um, but if my indication, my indication's high for pandas, I'm going to go in the opposite direction and get the um, one of the medical guys to take care of them. Absolutely, absolutely. I I do just because we're talking about neurotransmitters and. Um, you know, I definitely want to save, you know, some time at the end to talk about advocacy and so on. I think it's really important mm-hmm. ways that people can participate. Um, but a couple things in the realm of neurotransmitters that I see a lot of is um, I see a lot of elevated glutamate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if the chicken or the egg comes first there. I really, really don't. But when I do neurotransmitter testing, I see that. Um, and uh, there's also very, very frequently and often uh, you are going to see elevated levels of dopamine um, with neurotransmitter testing if you, you know, catch them in a flare time um, because part of um, Madeline Cunningham's panel um, shows uh, that a number of children with pandas have autoantibodies to the dopamine receptors, the D1 and D2 receptors in the brain, actually produce antibodies against it and end up having these surges of dopamine. Now, so that's sometimes you can capture that. I, I, uh-huh. If you can capture that, that's right. And that the only way to treat that would be, bring the, would be to bring the inflammation down. Bring the inflammation yeah. down. Exactly. You know, because otherwise the kid's going to constantly build up large amounts of dopamine. And like all of my autistic kids have sky-high dopamines, sky-high, you know, and that's why they're kind of not of this earth, you know. But um, the um, no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And glutamate, I I find that, you know, in that whole, um, with the GAD SNPs, the glutamate decarboxylase, um, that uh, either there's a lot of polymorphisms there or... Sometimes I've noticed, at least clinically, when someone has a lot of dysbiosis in the gut and the glutamine turns into glutamate than GABA, for some reason it, it hangs more on the glutamate side. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not exactly sure why, but um, I, that I see is sky-high glutamates and low GABAs. Okay, and uh, fortunately that's fairly easy to mm-hmm. to control, but, you know, it's um, sometimes it can be helpful and um but getting at the root cause is the most important thing. You wanted to go into advocacy? Hopefully people will start calling in at 646-595-2277 and to talk with Amy Jo. And if you would uh, be so kind, um, Amy Joy Smith, uh, would you tell us about advocacy? Uh, yeah. Um, I just want to be sure and get it in before the show is over, so I don't know if you know you want to talk about it right now or if there's other mm-hmm. pressing things. Well, this is your show, kid. We've got 30 minutes left. <laughs> Okay, great. Um, well, I just like to talk about advocacy because there's 
that's really what there is um, for a lot of us to do, um, is to educate and, um, you know, work on getting information out there into the hands of parents, into schools, into uh, legislators, people who make, you know, policy, school policy, uh, providers um, of every kind. And so um, so I uh, just wanted to talk about a few um, things that I, you know, know have been being done around the country that I think are very cool. Um, so first of all, pandasnetwork.org um, is a great source for any information uh, for advocacy. There's a legislative toolkit, school toolkit, provider school kit. So you can go there, you can download forms, you can download tools that you can bring to your teacher or your child's teacher um, so that they have information uh, because we all have to advocate for our child in every way, um, you know, including at school. I mean, that's a whole other conversation is mm-hmm. what happens with a child of, uh, with pandas at school. Very, very challenging. It's challenging for the child and the family. It's really challenging for the teacher because here's this kid that has been doing work a certain kind of level or has acted a certain way and has just been this great, you know, just a regular child, and then all of a sudden he starts acting out or he starts slamming stuff or he starts doing weird motions or he stops turning in his homework or he starts sassing back you know, to the teacher. And, you know, the teacher, typically, her first thing is, you know, not only what's going on with this child, but this child, you know, she'll make maybe certain assumptions for why he's acting that way. So being able to educate the school, the teachers, everyone involved that, you know, my son is not just acting out. He's not being a bad kid. He's not being disruptive, or my daughter. Um, you know, he has an illness, and this is what he needs, and this is what you can do. Um, a lot of schools, you know, because they haven't seen this before, they're just befuddled. They don't know what to do. So, um, you know, uh, being able to really partner with um is it's so important. I write so many letters for um, schools. I talk to schools. I talk to school nurses, um, to teachers, um, and there's a lot of great tools on that website. Um, last month in uh, November, I spoke to over 200 school nurses in Rhode Island about pandas. Um, actually, was invited to do a workshop there um, with uh, Dr. Sweeto. And uh, it was very, very powerful. And I just think, you know, what if, um, you know, my child, what if the school nurse might have ever called me, you know, all the three years that my kid was so sick? I didn't know what was going on. He was missing school, and, I mean, it was really very, very confusing for everybody. And, you know, what if this school nurse had it on her radar 
that she had heard of pandas. And she's like, wow, you know, gave me a call and said, huh, I wonder if your child might have this. You know, here's information about pandas, and here is, um, you know, a provider that you can go to or a test that you can have. Um, that's such a powerful thing. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. No question at all. I know. So when we did the survey, the parent survey at our um, at our event, one of the things that we saw was like quite a number of kids with pandas don't even go to school, like 8% of pandas children. Uh, wow. Weren't even in school in any way. So the school was not supporting them at home, uh, even though they're legally bound to do so, because that's what the 504, you know, is. It's a civil rights act, you know, that says um, that accommodations must be made, you know, for any child. Oh, you know, you work with autistic children, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so these kids were actually just dropped off the school face of the earth. And then there were another 8% of students who were being homeschooled, which is twice the national average. So wow. here's like this whole bunch of parents who did not have it in the cards or in their life plan to homeschool their children that are now homeschooling their very sick children because they don't know what else to do. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> so now, these, are, these are areas that I, I know nothing about. I'm so happy you're addressing them. You know, it's so important, and um, that's why it's so important that we get the word out around PANDAS. And when we had our um, PANDAS symposium, um, we had a special breakout section um, so in the afternoon, we had a session for parents, which, you know, we should probably, you know, talk about the impact of of PANDAS on families and on relationships, you know, parent relationships and the stress of, um, you know, families that are dealing with, you know, certainly chronic illnesses and certainly something like PANDAS because um, not only is it a chronic illness, but there's this care gap right, where it takes Mm -hmm. all this time to get your child diagnosed, and meanwhile, you don't really know who to go to, and kind of start to think you're crazy, and then your friends kind of start to think you're crazy, and then the next thing you know, you're paying out of pocket for this care, and you don't, you know, you're getting into financial difficulties, and, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of a unique kind of stress that goes along with PANDAS parenting because of the controversy surrounding it. Well, we have a caller. How about we see what the question is? Cool. Hi, nice person in the 512 area code. Are you on the phone? Yes, I am. And you're here with Dr. Armand and Amy Joy Smith. Would you like to ask a question? Uh, Yes, I, I would, actually. I have two questions. Um, my first question is if um, y'all have been using low-dose naltrexone in any of the PANDAS kids, um, and if you've seen it to be therapeutic. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes I have seen oh. it, uh, and sometimes I have seen it be therapeutic. Uh, and a couple of times I have 
have not seen it to be therapeutic, and I discontinued that particular course of therapy. And I can't say why it wasn't, you know, being helpful. But, um, you know, in other cases, I have seen it be helpful. Great. Um, my other question is a really basic question. Um, what would cause pandas to flare uh, in the school environment but not in the home environment? My child reports having many ticks at school, mm-hmm. but when she comes home, they seem to calm down. Mm-hmm. Well, I have two thoughts about that. First of all, the thing with pandas, is that, uh, and I'm sorry, right, that you're dealing with it, um, is that it's infection-triggered. And so even if the initial um, exacerbation was due to strep, until that brain is really healed, anything that triggers the immune system can continue to cause flaring, so even a cold or a virus uh, can do that. My son had um, poison oak at some point, and it was just a nightmare of what happened to his sick. So um, it could be that uh, she's being exposed to some things at school that is triggering her, number one. Uh, number two, I'm actually thinking of three different things. Number two, um, could be stress-related. Is she in a supportive environment at school? Yeah. Okay. She has um, supportive classes because she also has autism. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, there might still be some stress associated with it, and there are definitely similar brain chemicals, neuropeptides, that are produced under stress that are very similar or identical to the inflammatory chemicals that infections set out, right? So there is that possibility. Um, So those two things. But the other third thing that I have to consider is, is she being exposed to something in the environment there? Mold, maybe? Which I totally see triggered pandas. Mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe some other chemical type thing, I don't know, in the environment. But mold is a huge trigger. A lot of schools do have mold. Just some thoughts, new carpets, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Those would be the three areas that I would look at. Great. Thank you very much. Sure. You're most welcome. Thank you for your call. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anybody else would like to call in? The number is 646-595-2277. So go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think we talked about schools. Um, um, parents, parent stress. So um, parent stress is a, hu- a humongous thing. Um, the... The amount of family breakdowns and divorces and losses in pandas, associated with pandas, is is really, really big. And I talk to pandas families a lot about it. And today, you know, I was talking to a wonderful mom who is just, 
amazing and intelligent and uh, saintly. She has three children that she's dealing with, with pandas, and they're so similar. And um, she and her husband, oh, they're just giving everything they have. They just sold their home so that they could afford IVIG because there is no coverage. Mm. And I know it's expensive. It is ridiculously expensive, and, um, you know, you see a wide variety of what it ends up costing for families, and there are plenty of families that can do it. You know, for us, we ended up I'm almost embarrassed and proud both at the same time to say we ended up doing this fundraiser thing, you know, to have enough money to do my son's hey, don't be, don't, be, don't be embarrassed. It's a wonderful thing. Well, by the time that we had gotten there, it had been, it was four years of his illness. Um, insurance ended up not covering anything. I could not work. Uh, we had gotten divorced. We lost our home. You know, the medical expense piece. You know, it's just mm-hmm. really, really big for families. So I try so hard to encourage families to find ways to not let um, the stress drive the parents apart. And it can happen. It can happen with the family, you know, the parents of any chronically ill child. But something like this that's so, you know, hard and strange and, you know, with the, the gaps in care and the financial outlay that mm-hmm. most, many other illnesses, you don't see that. You know, you see, like I had a, a family say to me, you know, and it's not the first time I, I hate to say it, but I just, you know, wish my child had cancer. You know, at least insurance covers it. We can go to Ronald McDonald's house. They get balloons. I'm not blamed. I don't have to worry about being called Munchausen by proxy, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's when they label you for your child, you know, a psychiatric case. It, the problem with any diagnosis, really, is especially one that you use a syndrome diagnosis, is mm-hmm. that the investigation stops. Okay, you have ADD. Oh, well, you know. It stinks to be you. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. I think we have another caller, and maybe the same caller, but let me check. Hi, nice person in the 512 area code. Are you there? Hello? I think it may have been the same person. She's just listening. That's okay. okay. Uh, but we we often, you know, see that we're... Yeah, somebody, uh, I, I took care of a young lady who uh, was diagnosed with ADD from Johns Hopkins and elsewhere, you know, and it turned out to be hallucinations, but, you know, it was, the voices were so loud that they blocked her hearings, but when she got the ADD diagnosis, nobody wanted to gainsay it. Nobody wanted to think out of the box. Right. I know, it's really a dilemma. So mm-hmm. um, I just want to encourage you, if you're a Pandas family and uh, you're listening um, you know, you're probably some of the bravest human beings out there, and I have phenomenal respect for you. And um, I just want to encourage you to find a way, if you are feeling um, a little isolated or breakdown in communication with your spouse or on different camps or whatever, to um, create a date night and find some ways to generate a break to the stress in your home. Um, it's so important. It can take everything over. And, mm-hmm. and it does. Um, especially, you know, I also found that 
you know, with the prolonged nature, so it took three and a half years to diagnose my son. It took another three and a half to get him better. Okay? Wow. Of course, he was older. Okay. Plus, I didn't know anything about pandas at the time. He was, you know, breaking the, the boundaries. So, but, you know, during that period of time, and it's not unique to me, um, you kind of tend to lose connection with a lot of the people in your life because it's hard for them to understand <laughs> what you're doing and that mm-hmm. this thing is going on and on and on and on. And um, so so pandas' families tend to become very isolated. And there's this huge social media aspect where, you know, pandas' moms and, and dads and probably mostly moms, but, um, you know, reach out, you know, through social media and Facebook groups um, and, uh, you know, a number of different kinds of groups. Um, and that is kind of how... Uh, we stay connected to people that we don't have to explain everything to. Um, and sometimes these groups can be a blessing where it's like in the middle of the night or at some point my child is flaring, I'm not quite sure what to do, um, or has anyone ever seen this, has anyone ever tried that? You know, sometimes getting that kind of mom support and feedback, both on the emotional and also, it's also almost scary, you know, they're like recommending antibiotics and different kinds of treatments mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um you know it's an amazing thing because all of a sudden you're the one in charge of your child's care and you know most most parents don't have medical degrees i mean it's it's actually really moving you know the information that flies you know on those forums and then what parents need to learn you know to navigate uh, pandas as an illness. Um, so I just really want to, you know, recommend to any pandas mom out there, you know, to just find ways to reach out. And if you don't know how to reach out or you want to get connected, reach out to me and I will direct you. Um, because I have the blessing of being both a, a mom of a pandas child and also being a provider. And um, I just kind of walk both sides of the fence. And I, I think they're really both both important, you know, the human element and the clinical piece. Like, I don't know which to talk about first, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, you, um, you're, you're, you're running both sides, and, that, and, and that's very admirable and very um, energy, <laughs> energy consumptive. You mentioned how people can get in touch with you. So, uh, since we're on the subject, how do people get in touch with you if they need you? Um, uh one of two ways. Probably the easiest way is to call my office. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, my contact information, I don't know if it's on uh, your website, but I'm with Hill Park Medical Center in Petaluma, hillparkmedicalcenter.com. Um, you can contact me, you know, through the website, through my office there. And um, it's probably the easiest way. Uh, I could give my email, which I'm also really fine about, um, it's uh, Amy Joy Smith, A M Y J O Y S M I T H N P at mm-hmm. gmail dot com, and um, you know I can you know definitely help you. And Pandas Network, it's a wonderful place to go for support and answers, and that's pandasnetwork dot org. Well, uh, everybody listening, right after the show, I'm going to get on my. Uh, um my blog on my site and uh, 
put this information on the contact information. It'll also be on mabim.org, and it'll also be on mthfrsupport.com. Okay, so anybody who's listening, um, I will make sure that I develop a post that tells people how to get in touch with Amy Joy Smith. So if you didn't hear it or you want to tell your friend, don't worry about it, it'll be in print very quickly. What else do you want to ask me? Well, I think I, we've covered an awful lot of things. I was hoping that we'd have a few more callers uh, because I thought there'd be a lot of questions. Um, I don't have any particular uh, questions myself. Is there anything that you'd like um, a... <clears throat> would you, I think the hardest thing for parents and anybody in this particular environment is that the onus on advocacy falls square on the person who is least trained to do it, and that's the patient themselves. Uh, There are too many specialists. We don't have generalists anymore, uh, which is why the fancy methylation and bioindividualized medicine is simply teaching healthcare providers how to be GPs again, how to listen, how to look at things and heal things by intention. Um, but uh, shows like this and, and you know, uh, connections like this give people who are adrift, you know, right. some some place to, to grab onto and say, hey, you know, and I'm sure that uh, through pandasnetwork.org and the other, they'll be able to find Facebook groups and, you know, find the support that they're looking for. Uh, especially your advice concerning uh, couples and how to stay together is very, very important. Uh, having having a chronically ill child myself, I know that you know it can consume um, your thoughts. Even though he does very very well right now, for many many years it consumed every every waking moment, and um, it can cause um, marriages to break up, friendships to be estranged, uh, and um, you know for you to be isolated. And the worst thing in the world is to be isolated. You know with uh, yes, something that you they very poorly understand it really is and you know part of my personal feeling journey from pandas um you know once my son got better which he is and he's a freshman now at uh you know college and he's going mm. you know, he's away and he's brilliant and he got a full scholarship and he's healthy and i'm so excited and it seemed that you know as soon as the pressure let up as soon as my brain was no longer consumed, as you said, with trying to fix this and what do I do next and, you know, all that stuff as it started to lighten up and, you know, I started to lighten up, um, I began to realize, like, my anxiety was just off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to really turn my attention to myself. In fact, I even went through this thing of panic attacks and some PTSD and those memories of just the isolation during the worst I times. I know exactly they where you're coming me. from. They, they haunted me. And uh, I actually blogged that whole, that whole story, and I'm going to be sure that my blog is on, on your, your website as well. But um, Please. Yeah, you know, because we can heal. Parents can heal from all that trauma, and you're a testament to that, and I'm certainly a testament to that, and a number of other ones are, but um, but it, it's it's really big, and it's hard to deal with it as you're going through it, you know, but maybe if we can just plant the seed, you know, to do a little something to make today better, it 
might be one less day on the backside that, you know, you have PTSD or something. It, it is true, and it does take time, you know, for us to heal as, as caregivers, as parents. Uh, it doesn't happen all of a sudden, okay? It, um, sometimes, it, you know, I, I remember when the pressure was off, realizing that I had no life. <laughs> all I did was work, you know, and be at home and work and be at home. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, little bit by little bit, uh, you start gaining a life again. But, um, you know, the same care that you've given everyone else, you should turn around and give yourself also. Absolutely. Okay, you actually deserve it. You, Panda's parents, people, uh, parents of children with chronic illnesses have to realize, even though they feel it, and I know that they do, that they didn't do anything wrong. I know they feel guilt, okay, but they didn't do anything wrong. You guys haven't done anything wrong, and you're doing your absolute best. The reason why we bring these shows to you is so to give you information to empower you, not to... Not to sell anything. You notice we're not selling anything. You know, and it's not a scam when I ask you to sign up for anything. We're trying to empower you with information because that's... When you're informed, then the fear starts going away. Madame Curie always said that nothing in life should be feared but merely understood. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you can understand what's going on, half the fear and half the pain goes away. And powerlessness. You know, it's mm-hmm. Definitely. It's true. Definitely. Well, Amy, I really appreciate you being here tonight. I mean, I know you're taking the time out of the middle of your day because you're in California. And oh, no, me, it's, it's towards the end of my day, 625. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, it's about 930 you know, here. <laughs> can I say one more quick last thing? Of course, um, absolutely. It's just in the advocacy realm, and it's something that uh, we can just use a little bit of support in, aside from going on to Pandas Network and looking at all the advocacy things and, you know, on all domains that, you know, we can add every voice to. And signing mm-hmm. up for the newsletter on um, Pandas Network if you're a child with a family of a child with Pandas because we don't have an actual registry. And so we use the number of families that sign up for the used newsletter as like a general count. It helps us. So I just want to encourage people to do that. But I also wanted to just say one other thing. Um, we are supporting um, the work of uh, a wonderful uh, award-winning filmmaker who is uh, putting together a documentary on Pandas, and he's been working on it for probably two years already, or very, very close uh, to two years. And um, it is part of what is going to help us voice uh, this illness in a way that we hope to break down some barriers. Um, And he is uh, wanting to uh, connect with uh, some Pandas families uh, in particular that may have a little girl with Pandas. you know, he's interviewed so many families, and um, he's got a lot of older kids and quite a number of boys, and uh, would really love the opportunity to uh, do some work with a family or two of a child with pandas who's a little girl. Um, I have definitely found that the, the parents of pandas, children that are little girls, are just very, very protective. Um, but um, if you would be willing to, you know, consider or talk to me uh, about the possibility of, uh, or the filmmaker, uh, to be a part of this project, um, you know, please uh, contact me via email. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a way of making a difference with our situation. 
Well, I appreciate it. I I, I was just typing the um, the uh, post, so I make sure that before I leave, I have everything on the post. Will be all your contact information and the um, the link to the archive of this show as soon as it's done. And um, again, Amy Joy Smith, I really appreciate the time. You know, your being here. I appreciate. Uh, we all appreciate, and especially us with uh, uh, children with chronic illnesses, the amount of energy, the amount of caring, the amount of chutzpah, the amount of putting yourself out there, okay, to make a difference in these children's lives because to a large extent it'll be, uh, it'll be due to you that a lot of children have lives when before there was no chance of it. So thank you. Thank you so mm. much. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be a part of of the whole thing and do whatever I can. Well, you're doing a lot. Okay, well, guys, I um, we're going to have a show next week. Ah, there's a nice British lady telling me I have 90 seconds. Okay, uh, we'll have a show next week. I'm thinking of putting something special together. Uh, I'll let you know uh, via blogging this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate uh, your attention. And don't forget how much we love you. And um, don't forget about the seminar at www.mabim.org. And thank you again, Amy Joy Smith. And everybody, I'm going to turn our theme on, and it'll be time to go. It's been a long road. You know, guys, everybody wonders why I use this theme. Okay, which is from Star Trek Enterprise. But I think Amy Joy Smith uh, pointed it out very poignantly that parents of children with chronic illnesses are the bravest people and nothing's going to hold you down. You have strength of the heart. You're going where the heart is taking you. But the faith to believe that there's going to be a cure, there's going to be a reprieve, there's going to be something that is going to take my child and let him or her have a life. Nothing can end Keep pushing. Keep hammering away at it. Utilize the resources we give you. Okay? Everybody we bring to you is the real thing. You guys have a great week. Know, know that you have my love and my respect. Good night. <laughs>